Hey, Nico. Do you think there is a right man for a right time and a right place? He's the man for his time and place. <laughs> well, Such a good line. we're going to uh, discuss a film that discusses that philosophy here in a few minutes. Mark, what are we watching? Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspects. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm going to make him an awful game with you. Definitely interesting in into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. Well, Jeff, it sounds like you might have been drinking a White Russian and you put it down because we're talking about The Big Lebowski! I, I was <laughs> drinking a White Russian. We are going back to 1998. And for those that need a quick recap, Ultimate L.A. Slacker Jeff the Dude Lebowski, mistaken for a millionaire of the same name, seeks restitution for a rug ruined by debt collectors, enlisting his bowling buddies for help while trying to find the millionaire's missing wife. And let the shenanigans ensue. So. The dude abides. Uh, the dude abides. Jesse's in the house. Nico's in the house. Jeff's obviously here. And, uh... I'm excited because I love this movie as much as anyone, and I know Jesse does because he picked this movie. This was this was technically the official Jesse's birthday movie choice, and uh, Which was here two we months are. Ago, by the way. Yeah, here we are months later. <laughs> so, but, uh, I'm so Jesse. Why'd you pick it? So this is one of my favorite Coen Brothers movie. It's their spin or their uh, satirical take on film noir. Um, a spin on the classic detective whodunit films. But this movie is literally about a man trying to get his urine stain rug replaced. Correct. <laughs> Which he never does through, <laughs> by the end of the movie. Correct. That's a great it's, take. It's just it is. A, it's a damn funny movie. I know, and it's hard to just—it's hard to tell people that just don't understand it. You either get it or you don't, and agreed. It, it might take multiple viewings to get it because oh, I totally. think this—I think this movie definitely gets better with each viewing, and it definitely gets better when watching it with people, uh, especially if you're watching it just you know with a friend in the room. It's really fun to laugh with other people than it is just by yourself. So uh, it's interesting. But, it's interesting you say that, Mark, because a number of critics panned this movie. Um, from their first viewing. And actually, many of those same critics came out and released updated reviews and saying they just didn't get it the first time. Uh, <laughs> one of them most famously, uh, Roger Ebert, uh, bashed the movie in his 1998 review. And in 2010, he did a he came back and said he didn't get it at the time. He's seen it a couple times since, and he thinks it's a classic. Wow. Uh, which, That's important uh, and I mean, he's not the only one and it's funny. I, I know a lot of, I know a lot of people that don't like this movie the first time they see it. And then on subsequent viewings, they're like, yeah, I just, I didn't get it quite yet. hundred so, percent. Totally, totally agree with you. when did you see this, Jesse? I first saw it in high school. Um, I think it was 
senior year. And and much like the critics, like I I didn't get it at first. I I thought it was just a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. Um and I didn't like it. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously that has changed and it has become one of my favorite all time movies, but um, it was not a positive experience the first time I saw it. Did you see it in the theater or on video? On video. Yeah, I don't know anybody's. I mean, that was going to be my point. I was I was almost willing to bet nobody on this pod saw this movie in the theater. Maybe no. Nick because he worked. Maybe Nick because he worked at a movie theater. Was he? Were you working in '98 at the yeah. theater? Yeah, sure. Okay, well, I was there. Right. dead on. This is what makes this podcast so good is that he remembers that. Yeah, I did see it in the theater. I also did not like it for the first time, but I'll let you finish. No, that was it. I just, the first time I saw it, I was not impressed. Yeah, I didn't see this movie until college. And it, I mean, and like I said, it, sh- it just grows on you for sure. And I, to the point where I don't remember the first time when I saw it. I, it's just, it's just become such a favorite movie of mine that I've, I've seen it easily, you know, 20 plus times over the years. And the dude and his antics, they just, they do it for me each and every time. And it's, I mean, this movie is just such a cult classic. It never gets old. It will never get old. It's, it's, that's why it's one of my top five movies. It's just a perfect movie for, for my style of movie watching. It's I've never just, heard you say a top five movie. That's so impressive. Yeah. I, it, it, like I hammered it down, you know, to, to round out the top five, and I just finally just said, you know what, Lebowski's just going to just end the five and just be the fifth one. But, And I, yeah, I love it every time. Every time it just puts such a smile on my face. It just puts me in such a joyous mood watching The Big Lebowski. It's just, it's a movie about nothing. It, like, you know, yeah. it, obviously it's, it had, like Jesse said, it's a, you know, it's a satire on film noir and crime, and so... It, you know, because it's about a rug that he never gets back and everything. It's, it's at, the, at the end of the day, it's almost like it's just easy to tell somebody it's, you know, it's just a funny movie about nothing. But you'll get it one day. <laughs> and it's almost more brilliant the more views it takes till it really hits you too. Because I think everybody, I think Han nailed it when he said it. You don't quite get it, and then when you do get it, it's it's even better. Yeah, a hundred percent. So I'll segue back here, Jeff. When did you see this? Um, I saw it. Uh, I saw it on video. Um, when it kind of, I was working at Blockbuster at the time, I think. So I think I saw it when it first came out on video, like everybody else on this pod and many critics, I didn't really get it or like, like I, I thought it was funny, but I didn't think, I thought it was kind of a B version of like a Jim Carrey or Adam Sandler, like satire movie or, um, and not anything special. I laughed, but I didn't think I'd be revisiting it as many times as I have over the years. And then a couple things happened. Um, senior year is the year I got really into film and got into movies. And it was that this was actually my introduction to the Coen brothers. I had no idea who the Coen brothers was when I saw this movie. And I see that they're like world famous filmmakers. And I'm like, they made that weird bowling movie? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was wanting to rewatch it. Um, and actually, Jesse and Nick, I spent a lot of senior year hanging out with both of those guys. And um, both of you. You guys quoted this movie endlessly, senior year. Uh, and I remembered it from seeing it. And I remember thinking those lines were funny, but I was like, okay, uh, my friends love this movie. It's these great filmmakers. I got to revisit it. So I watched it. I read it again, watched it a couple more times. And kind of each subsequent time I've watched it, I've liked this movie a little bit better. So, uh, Jesse, what works in this movie? 
I mean, I get maybe we should do what doesn't work because everything arguably <laughs> works. But um, that's just a that's a lazy man's answer. So obviously we'll we'll break it down here a little bit more. But well, uh, you go first, Jesse. Well, I'm just gonna kind of continue with the lazy man answer here and go with the dude. The dude works in this movie. He's an anti-hero. He's a nice guy. He just wants to bowl and smoke weed. He's stuck in the '60s and he loves his life. Doesn't have any money. <laughs> I like your style, dude. <laughs> he works. <laughs> and this movie definitely speaks more to men. Like, if you were to take a poll of, you know, 50 men versus 50 women, <laughs> like, this is a guy's movie. This is not a movie for women. So I had a pondering. Um, I said, do... do... <laughs> I literally have a pondering written down that says, "Do women hate this movie more than more than any other movie?" I and think they, it's up there for sure. And I, so, I tried to get my wife to watch this, and she's like, "That movie's terrible. I'm never gonna watch that movie again." My, so I think, my wife my wife also hates this movie, uh, but I have been. There's a bar that we like to go to that reshows classic movies, and I every year I go to the Big Lebowski viewing, and there's always women there. I don't know if it's Girls whose boyfriends just drug and husbands just drug them there, or if they're actual fans of the movie. But there is so a hold on. I stand by the this movie grows on you statement. And once again, Jen was watching this in the background, and, and I could tell she enjoyed this movie a lot more this time than when she first said, "I think I hated that movie." When I originally told her that we're doing this movie, and it's not fair, anyways, because she doesn't like Jeff Bridges. So I'm just like, Ugh. How can you not like Jeff Bridges? Right. But um, what else works, Jesse? Besides the dude, anything else in your notes, or you want me to kick it to Nico? I love the soundtrack, and, <laughs> and, and I'll I'll kind of get into that a little bit later and get into why the dude hates the Eagles. Um, but the guy who did who did the musical or the the choice of music for this movie also did the music for Oh Brother Where Out Thou. And this soundtrack is just awesome, top to bottom. The music. It's one of the. Great. It's one of the top '90s soundtracks. I would, I like this. This dazed and confused. You talking about T Bone Burnett, Jesse? T Bone, T Bone, T Bone Burnett kills it in this thing. Forrest Gump's mm-hmm. got to be on that list too, though, right? You're putting it up there with those soundtracks. I, I think so. You, you know what? I wasn't prepared to talk about uh, best movie soundtracks of all time, but I mean. This soundtrack is pretty good. I, was, I think of this one. I think of Dazed and Confused. Good shout out on Forrest Gump, Nick. Um, I personally love Empire Records and Can't Hardly Wait, but I don't think that'll hit as much. I love I Reservoir. As many people would think that. As I, I as love me. Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs is a great soundtrack. I do too. And the ones, my favorite one that you're also leaving out. You guys nailed all the good ones, but my favorite one you're also leaving out is Boogie Nights. But uh, oh, yeah. fantastic soundtrack! Yes, yeah, Mark. I but think, no, Boogie Nights, Forrest Gump, and it, '90s uh, was the '90s the heyday of the soundtrack. And, da- and Days and Confused, those are like the big three for me personally. But uh, this this soundtrack's great, so it's no slouch, that's for sure. But uh, Nico, you're trying to punch in here. What what do you got? I think anytime I hear "The Man in Me" by Bob Dylan on any of my Pandora classic stations, it just automatically makes me smile. That's obviously the song from one of the dream montages and I just love I, that song is so fantastic and the fact that it can be played and put a smile on your face thinking about this movie is special I think what uh, makes this movie special is how many chances the Coen brothers took and how well they paid off there's a lot of big gambles taken here 
I don't know what power they had at the studio, but it, a lot of it was so absurd that like. Well, they were coming off Fargo, so coming, they, they knew had a lot they of they knew that they could do whatever they wanted, and so yeah. they took those chances with this movie because they didn't know. You know, they didn't know if they could do Which it again. Which is why I so. feel a lot of critics were originally off put because I think they thought they were going to go the way of like Fargo, Miller's Crossing, um, Barton Fink, some of their earlier stuff. And they're going to stay in that more um, real super indie fair. And instead they make a, they make kind of a pop satire, um, which was out of left field. So I think more so though, that just like the absurdity of it is like, they didn't even need a narrator. The fact that they had one completely absurd, you know, the, the bowling league didn't make any sense to the actual thing other than what they did after work or at whatever, just completely absurd. And I think that, it really works. All their gambles paid off here. There wasn't any of them that didn't work. And as far as else, the whole thing is uh, the side characters, again, almost rivaled the main characters. I'm thinking specifically of Philip Seymour Hoffman. I'm thinking of, obviously, the Jesus. John Turturro, he's metal-worthy on this. I don't know where you guys stand on that. but Jesus. You said it, man. Nobody fucks with the Jesus. Julian where I Amor. stand is I don't have enough medals. <laughs> There's not enough medals. Uh, yeah, the, all the side characters, you are great. And I'm glad you mentioned Maud because uh, I love Julianne Moore. I, I've always loved her, but the, she's fantastic in this. She is. But... Which bothers some men. The word itself makes some men uncomfortable. Vagina. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if any of your medals don't have John Goodman or Jeff Bridges in it. I mean... I'm not trying to cause controversy, but I mean, there's so many, like you said. Spoiler alert. <laughs> not enough medals. My medals were changed multiple times, especially because we had, uh, this This podcast was, you know, six weeks in the making. So... <laughs> is this Tara Reid's best role? Is this Tara Reid's best role? No. Is this Tara Reid's best role? Is it her worst role? It, it could be her best and her worst. Totoro originally thought he was going to have a much bigger role in the movie, you guys. So when he read the script, he realized the part was quite small. And the Coen brothers let him come up with a lot of his own ideas for the character, which was very rare for them. And like shining the bowling ball and all, and the scene where he dances backwards, he he did all that. He came up with that. And the ban- dancing backwards he got from Muhammad Ali. <laughs> How awesome is that? <laughs> To the Gypsy Kings, too. Yeah, it just seems completely absurd. And that's, John Turturro is so it awesome. So, I mean, so speaking of what works, this movie just works because of the dialogue. And it's so perfect. And the reason it's perfect is the screenplay was written with Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, and Sam Elliott all in mind for their parts. Mm-hmm. So they wrote this script thinking these are the people we're going to get, and they got them all. And... It's perfect. Crazy. And every like every dude and every F bomb is all scripted pretty much, which is crazy because I was watching interviews with John Goodman and he's just like Yeah, you know, everything was in the script. You, you would think that a lot of it's improv the way the dialogue is. This is your partner. Is the whole world gone crazy? Am I the only one around here who gives a shit about the rules? Market And it's not. It was just the Cohen brothers just they 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 wrote that. They came up with that. So they're amazing. Well, fa- they're famous for that, right? Not rewriting yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, they it, write what they write. They like it, and they go and, with it. And they use it. a lot of the same actors because you know their their actors just know their style and they know they like to practice. You got to practice. Right. Like the key is practice at that point yeah. because you're you're not improving. So you got to know your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear they? Did you see who they didn't get that they really wanted, Mark? Who? Um, for the uh, Jeffrey the rich Jeffrey Lebowski. Oh, um, I did. Role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted Marlon Brando. Yeah. Who? Which is kind of funny that they did. It's funny to think of him. Okay, so the Coens famously, like you say, they don't like a lot of improv. Everything's put in their strict script for a reason, and like all he does is improv. So it it I don't know how that would have worked and how well that would have uh, uh, happened. But I mean, they did such a great job casting this movie. It's a it's perfect, perfect casting. Agreed. Uh, what else worked, Nick, uh, Nico? Oh, I had my list already. Just based on okay. small characters and the absurdity that paid off. I put down the cast, the soundtrack, the cinematography. Um, shout, shout out to Roger Deakin, many time nominated. I, I don't know how many times he's won the uh, the best uh, cinematographer, but he's oh. been nominated many times, at least thirteen. The, the, and the shots are so awesome in this movie. Uh-oh. Everything. And he, I mean, there's it's, some really cool bowling alley well, shots so where cool. he just shows off. Yeah. And the dream sequence that, that Nico mentioned earlier, he's just totally, <laughs> totally showing off with stuff in that. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. La, it's, la, la, la. it's so cool that they have this, like, super art house cinematographer doing fucking bowling scenes. Uh-huh. Like, that just, that shows, like, the Coen brothers' sense of humor, too, uh, in, in my opinion. And I also put down Los Angeles as a setting. This is a great L.A. movie. Um, LA is. is this vast, LA is always overcrowded, but also super vast. It's like, it's kind of a real contradiction and like, I mean, traffic, there's a billion people in there, but then there's these huge mansions out in the Hills and, um, strip malls for fucking miles. And I feel like this movie, it's one of the few movies that really feels Los Angeles. I totally agree. Um, I do. You can. So many parts about it do. As somebody who's lived there. Uh, and um, I also like the uh, sense of timelessness in this movie. Uh, and I think it was a brilliant stroke to set so much of it in a bowling alley. Because bowling alleys are something that, like... They don't age. They, they look the I The bowling alley, I mean, nowadays, yes, they have some hip-hop, like some hipper ones, like Lucky Strike or whatever. But still, there are bowling alleys that look like the bowling alley in this film. Oh, absolutely. That we could all go to It reminds today. me of the bowling alley I grew up in. And probably the one down the street from you, too. And I think everybody, to some extent, likes bowling. Even if yeah. they suck at it, they're like, hey, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it once every five years. You know, and that's you know, it's not like who's like I hate bowling. I refuse to bowl. Like I don't know. I mean, <laughs> anyone anyone's willing to bowl, right? It's just a fun thing. It's a fun leisure activity. Speaking of bowling, though, you know we don't see the dude bowl in this movie ever. Yep, I have that in my <laughs> except for the dream, the, dream, except the dream sequence. Yeah. yeah, the dream sequence we see him bowl. Does Walter so, bowl? Uh, I'm not sure if we see Walter bowl. We see Donnie bowl a lot. So yeah. I don't think we see Walter Bowl either. We just see him bowl. We just see him bowl nihilists. Yeah, we yeah. do see him bowl some nihilists, and I'm glad you mentioned the word nihilist because we hadn't brought them up yet, and they totally work too. Everything works in this movie. Well, this whole movie, the I, what's works. so <laughs> cool about this movie is it works on so many different levels. 
on on one on one level it's a simple story about a guy whose rug got peed on uh and on another level it's actually kind of a philosophical essay there's many of phil the philosophy students fucking love this movie and there's all kinds of commentary on everything from nihilism to socialism uh you name it i didn't I'm not, I don't have time to dive into a dissertation on the philosophy of the Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, but I, mean. I but it I think it's so cool that the Coens are so smart that they have all those things layered into it. Uh, I do, I do think my one little comment I'll make that I'll bore you guys with or whatever is every time I see this movie, I think like, I think they are, I think they're kind of yelling at the baby boomers or the '60s generation. Um, because it's kind of a, uh, look what happened to this gender. Like the dude was definitely, and the feminist character, they were the rebels that were going to like change the world. And instead they just all got real lazy and self-serving themselves. Um, and that's what I think about almost every time I see this movie. So when you watch the Coens in old interviews, they almost look like the dude. And, and when they wrote this movie, they claim they have a friend in their yeah. life that is the dude. Goes by but, the dude. Yeah. He's, ba- and, he's based on him. From L.A. And four different friends of, uh, of uh, Jeff Bridges. Like mm-hmm. different people that he knows. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of a conglomerate of the five, of the five characters. Jeff but there's Bridges. definite. And the White Russians, I always figured that was just a really filmable drink. The one that they based it on actually just loved white Russians, so it was just a happy accident that you get all the. I do believe we should get it right and call it a Caucasian because that is what Jeff Bridges and the dude likes to call it. I do. The dude drinks nine white Russians in this movie. He drinks nine Caucasians in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just, just went over this. (laughs) Is Mark is Caucasian the uh, preferred nomenclature? The preferred nomenclature. Good question. That's a good question. I don't know if there is a preferred nomenclature for that drink. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't know. Actually, it's one of the best lines I, of the movie. I only also, if, dude. Also, dude. Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Well, that's that's one of the great things. I love how this movie. I love all the times he pre- repeats lines that he hears from somebody else. That's what um, I think. the, the that's other what time I think. he does that is the Perlins. No, it's it, not the other time. It happens all throughout. And it's not movie, just yeah. him. It's char- It's all the characters. They it's, all do it. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just more another the Coens being the Coens. Agreed. Agreed. Are we ready for favorite scenes? Absolutely. What do you got, Mark? I mean, I guess I'll just come out of the gate and I just... I love the scene when he leaves. Leaves Lebowski's office and he's just walking out and he's just like yep said so, yeah pick whichever one i want <laughs> pick any rug in the house <laughs> it's just like it just sums up the dude in everything like is 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 as lazy as this guy is clearly he's resourceful in something the way he's gotten about in life you know you can't just live this way in california and get by without having some sort of street smarts and he shows it really well in that scene and so i just love everything about that uh, <clears throat> I do question how Maud finds out that, you know, it was that rug went missing, but hey, that's for another day. 
But uh, yeah, that's probably my, that's 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 my one. That's the first scene I want to make mention to. I love but, how nobody uh, in this movie seems to have a job either. Yeah. No. Like every every scene, so many scenes take place in like the middle of the day, and nobody, including the rich Lebowski, nobody's ever fucking working in this movie. Correct. Uh, Jesse, what's your favorite scene? I mean, we have a bunch, so. Yeah, my favorite scene is where the big Lebowski, the rich Lebowski, tells the dude that his wife has been kidnapped. And he's just pouring his heart out, just, like, to tears. He's telling the dude, and he just, the dude just wants to crack jokes and smoke a J. It's one of, it's probably the, the funniest scene in the movie for me and he is just smoking the J, right yeah like, you, mind if I, you mind if i smoke a J? it's just a clash of personalities and cultures between the two lebowskis that just continues to play out through the movie i, I love that scene it's so funny i i rewind it and just watch it a few times on the rewatch uh jeff Give me a tell me you're gonna pull something from the bowling alley here. What do we got? Um, I all right. I'm just gonna instead of it's hard. Every scene in this movie is so fucking great. It's hard to like pick one. So I'm gonna pick a couple. I don't think other people are gonna talk about. I find all the scenes with Julianne Moore fucking hilarious. She's great. She's amazing. I love. She's Maud. awesome. Like I just I, I love Maud. Her yeah. entire character is so funny. Uh, and like Julianne Moore is dialing it like to like eleven in this fucking movie. When she asks the dude, the whole conversation with the dude, if, and when she's asking him if he likes to have sex. <laughs> Me coitus. She's just... talking about my rug. You're not interested in sex. You mean coitus? Just rolling around in the bed. Uh, uh... And it proves the odds of conception. <laughs> She's 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 fantastic. I love her. I, I love that she ends up sleeping with the dude after having her hood who uh, you know her hoodlums knock him out. Well, and his whole attitude his whole attitude about it when he's outside he's like, "Leave my lady friend alone. She's just trying. I'm, I'm trying to help her conceive a child." Yeah. And stay away from my special from my fucking lady friend, man. Dude, special lady friend, man. Special lady friend. <laughs> it's a spy. Oh, you got I a like, favorite scene, then, Nico? So oh, I'll go back to you. Yeah, I love fine. I love the scene where Lebowski's meet in person. You're Lebowski, I'm a Lebowski. I, the the, the banter wonderful. back and forth between them is so good. It is my favorite scene in the movie. And they're probably the, the best. Word? To Jesse's point, they're probably the best scenes in the movie. The, any scene between those two. Oh, I don't know. I love it. I don't know because every single scene with a dude and Walter is great. Their back and forth is so. They're like a married couple. They are like a married couple, and it's they're so great with each other. The scene. Chop chop. Fuck that, Walter. I love you, but sooner or later you're gonna have to face the fact you're a goddamn moron. Okay, dude. In the car, is just incredible with the phone call and the money drop and. The, the royal we. The royal we. <laughs> like, Who's every... We? every... <laughs> the royal we. The royal we. Just, it, you know, and it all... I mean, we get the foundation with Walter in the beginning. I mean, the opening scene in the bowling alley is just... It sets the scene. And when you first watch it, you just don't have an appreciation. But ever since that, you know, that magical moment, whether it was the second watch or the third watch, it... it 
every scene is just so good and they just they're one after another and i just i love all their back and forth with each other i love their banter like you said they're like a married couple and they're they're so good together and john goodman is just so stinking good and the dude is the dude is uh, you know epic top 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 10 character all time for me in movies i just love his character but i almost prefer to watch this movie in small doses because it's it's less of a movie than a than just a series of just incredible fucking scenes correct yeah. and that's why like, if it's and i feel long... like you could almost watch these scenes out of order oh it's 100 percent. and it wouldn't fucking matter like 100 percent. that's why i say it's a movie about nothing it, and it really is it's it's it's, it's like the, the movie version way. of seinfeld it's uh-huh. like it is the ultimate if it's on tv you really can just fucking jump in at any uh-huh. fucking moment because there's not really a bad section of this movie either yeah han you're already at 100 uh f-bombs tonight just to let you i'm just keeping track so just to let you know perfect that f-word 100 hey. times tonight. say that yes, say no, this ain't no children's podcast you like, <laughs> you like joe pesci and goodfellas <laughs> so the f-word was actually used 292 times in this movie 292 yeah fucking a <laughs> just one thing dude 292 so that is much. right that is right i had that in my notes somewhere but you know and he says dude 161 times right it's spoken 160 times and then seen once in text credits for gutter balls <laughs> do you guys think the cohen's hate the fact that this movie has such a cult status out of all of their movies i had a similar question huh. that i have an answer i, this is, I, I have had the a, answer to this. i had a similar thought mark as in i don't think i think for a lot of people this could be their only coen brothers movie they like or their favorite coen brothers i'm not in that category but like i could see that for a lot of people and really? i wouldn't be shocked if the coen's we're annoyed so, by, in we're 2009, annoyed by that. in 2009, Joel Cohen flatly stated, that movie has more of an enduring fascination for other people than it does for us. Yep, that doesn't shock <laughs> me at all. And I was just like, when I saw that quote, I just started laughing because I was like, gosh, is that going to sway you on my metal podium now? You don't even appreciate how much people like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, any other scenes anybody wants to mention? I, I do love of, the scene when uh, the dude goes over to Jackie Tree. Jackie Tree. I was just going to say that, Jesse. Yeah, go ahead. And, and he, he likes the pad. Yeah, Jackie, <laughs> Jackie Treehorn gets this call, and, and the dude thinks he's like going to uncover something. So he runs over there real quick, <laughs> uses the pencil, and it's just this guy with this big dick. And he, dude, I love how he puts it. Ever. I love how he quickly puts it in his pocket. <laughs> like. It's going to be something he's going to need later. <laughs> well, he's got to uncover the evidence. So you could yeah. question, like, so he's got to cover his tracks. But I'm it, with this you. This is though. a film first, noir. It's a, yeah. it's a it's going to cover up movie. his tracks, though. So yeah, I'm exactly. with you, though. Like, it's like, wait, you know. <laughs> I love when they interrogate the kid. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. The kid interrogation. And then I just Larry, love. John, Larry. I, just, I love. And a good day to you, sir. Walter. I love Walter destroying the Corvette. <laughs> this is what happens when you. <laughs> so, so just a, a quick like, a quick spinoff from that. So, the show that they were talking about, uh, Larry's dad, he wrote it. the The theme song is in the movie after 
the dude gets picked up from Jackie Treehorn's house. Little little kind of sneaky tidbit that they threw in there. Alright. So if you go Old back sneaky. and rewatch that's sneaky, the sneaky. theme song for that, that show. Well, just remember Brand can't watch though, or he's gotta pay a hundred dollars. That's true. Another <laughs> Hey, that's a good segue into favorite quotes if we're that's, ready. For that's it. why I went there. Good old, good old bunny. Let's just do round robin. What do you got, I'm gonna, Jesse? I'm just going to go find a cash machine. <laughs> That's the rest of that quote. <laughs> my, my favorite quote. What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? Dude. I don't know, man. Is it being prepared to do the right thing, whatever the cost? Isn't that what makes a man? Sure, that and a pair of testicles. You're, you're joking, but perhaps you're right. You mind if I do a J? <laughs> Fucking Quintana. Creep can roll, man. Creep can roll, man. <laughs> the bums <burger>. always lose. <laughs> this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. <laughs> I see you rolled your way into the semis. I'll tell you what I'm blathering about, man. New information has come to light, man. Some Chinamen took them from me in Korea. <laughs> I can get you a toe by three o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. Believe me. Yeah, but Walter. Hell, I can get you a toe by three o'clock this afternoon with nail polish. El Duterino. Man, nobody fucks with the Jesus. El Duterino. It's a private residence, man. <laughs> Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Let me explain something to you. I'm not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me. You know, uh, the dude or his dudeness or El Duderino. If you're not into the whole brevity thing. El Duderino. The dude abides. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Uh. I don't know about you, but I take comfort in that. It's good knowing he's out there, the dude. Taking her easy for all us sinners. <laughs> Little Lebowski Urban Achievers, inner city kids of promise. The rug really tied the room together. Hey, in the spirit of favorite quotes, I'm going to do the uh, made-for-TV version of this one. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> That's Donnie, what they said. Donnie, Donnie, you're out of your element. Donnie, you're out of your fucking element, man. <laughs> you're a Lebowski. I'm a Lebowski. That's terrific. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Donnie. <laughs> Those are good burgers, Walter. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. I cannot solve your problem, sir. Only you can. Ah, fuck it. Oh, fuck it. Yes, that's your answer. That's your answer to everything. <laughs> Tattoo it on your forehead. Your revolution is over, Mr. Lebowski. Condolences. The bum's lost. My advice to you, do what your parents did. Get a job, sir. The bums will always lose. You hear me, Mr. Lebowski? The bums will always lose. Good delivery. What? That rug really tied the room together. What can I do for you, sir? Uh, well, sir, it's uh, this rug I have. It really tied the room together. Uh, You're being very undued. <laughs> <laughs> we 
could do this for an hour. Uh, I know. <laughs> he's this the man for his time and place. Not stand, man. <laughs> this aggression. <laughs> he's the man for his time and place. Quite possibly the laziest in L.A. County, which put put him in the running for the laziest in the world. Oh shit! I forgot. Obviously, you're not a golfer. <laughs> When he's holding the bowling ball in the beginning, yeah, what's this? this? Is, oh, that's such a great quote. <laughs> Woo, isn't this guy supposed to be like a millionaire? He looks like a fucking loser. <laughs> so what didn't work? Bell! 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 I it's a l- that doesn't work It's a me, little so. too long. It is. A little too long. Yeah. I I kind of agree with that. I love every scene in this movie, but I actually have a hard time watching. In subsequent rewatches, I have a hard time watching it all the way through. Movies it's about a, nothing need a hard 90-minute cut. I mean, what are you cutting, though? So this is my question. This is, I'm going to start I'm gonna start pressing you harder when you're going to say it's just long. So now tell me what you want to get rid of. I don't need all the I don't need all the dream sequences, but I know other people love them. So there's only it's two. Probably because I was never a stoner. So there's only two dream sequences. So that give you. So I mean, so what you got? You lost. So you got two minutes back right there. See, that's that's what you guys always say. It's too long, but then maybe it's not that long. What's what's what? It's not like there's a bunch of fluff in this movie. I take out the the funeral scene on the beach with the ashes. what? Yeah. Oh no no no! no. Spreading Donnie's ashes. Yeah, yeah. Seems so important. See? This is why this is a common conversation. Travesty with you. <laughs> I just, I mean, it, that hug at the end is important. It really is. It really sh- talks about their friendship a lot. You know, it shows that they're not just goofballs, right? So I guess you can't take that out. I agree with you. I mean, it's, like if you it's, every to, scene is incredible. So, you, yeah, like in a rewatchable movie like this, it's so fun to revisit. So I guess I'm glad that they have all the scenes. So but it if is I was a little being long. hypercritical, like maybe audiences would have liked it the first time they saw it if it wasn't quite so long. Okay, so if it okay, so I put thought into this because I think it's a little long too. So the only thing that makes sense, no, if, if like on the rewatch, like you said, so the only thing that makes sense to get rid of would be the whole mod storyline. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, I'm out. I know you love mod, so like, it, but if you got rid of the whole mod storyline, you can pretty much have the same movie. I mean, there's a lot of the problem is there's a ton of scenes that you could get rid of with that same effect. The scene we just talked about with the kid that we all love, you could really ditch that scene. It, every scene in this movie is fucking hilarious, so we're not going to want to cut any of it. If you were looking to cut, you'd have to cut what doesn't advance the plot. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah, but this movie that you we've already set in stone that really doesn't necessarily have a plot. I was just I was just so gonna say that. At that point, we... you could actually cut anything. So yeah, the plot is like it's second or which is why you're the right. Brothers you're right. Are the original scene annoyed. with the rug. The original scene with the rug can go. <laughs> <laughs> like that, which is I'm why. Kidding. Obviously, no. I know you're kidding. Obviously, I know. I get what you're doing, but. <clears throat> This probably explains why the Coens, you know, are a little perturbed that so many people love this movie as much as they do, because it's just a goofy movie, but it just works. It just... 
So at the end of the day, this movie's a little long, but we're not sure what we want to get rid of. But uh, anything else not work for anyone? No, so nothing. So what didn't, what didn't work for me was the Coen brothers put such thought in the supporting actors and actresses. We talked about that before. Why would they cast Tara Reid in this movie? Hmm. Ooh. What's, what, okay, it's kind of on. a nitpick. Hold on. What's, okay, let's, let's go back. Let's think about this. It was made in 98. And Tara Reid kind of, Tara Reid, yeah, pre-American Pie. So, I don't it think might, they knew who they were casting necessarily. It might be more of a dick move than we can think, actually. Because she plays a pornography actress. Yes. And so, if they cast an actress that some people might say is not the world's greatest actress, um, who simply was in movies for her other talents... Um, not something I am saying, but one might say the Coen brothers are act like actually knew exactly what they were doing. So let's talk Coen brothers. We briefly just talked about them. We've talked about them a little bit. So, Nick, what's your favorite Coen brothers movie? This. This is your number one. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Jeff, what's yours? I I think it's this one. Okay. It's this Ooh, one or no? Wow. It's this one or No Country. Okay. I love both those movies. Jesse. So I went back and forth with this. Um, I'm obviously a big Coen Brothers fan, um, which is why I picked this movie for my birthday. And ultimately, my favorite movie is Fargo. So is Fargo your favorite movie of theirs, or is it your is it their best movie? Because I think there's a difference here. Yeah, no, there's definitely a difference. Um it's hard to compare. You up? Yeah. Well, you know that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So I'll just say this. So I, my top three or top four: Fargo, No Country for Old Men, and then third would be Big Lebowski slash Oh Brother Where Art Thou, which I love. I actually just watched it the other day. Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Um, and it, I think it's really hard to compare all those movies. They're just I 100%, they're so it, different. I 100% agree, Jesse. That was the point I was trying to make earlier with versus other directors, for whatever reason, Coen Brothers movies, they one thing that they do that's amazing is each of their movies kind of stands as its own piece of art. And it's just really hard to compared to their other films they they have a lot of similar themes yeah. across the board what about you doctor what do you what's your favorite okay so if no country for old men is on i will watch it if big lebowski big lebowski is one of my five favorite movies so big lebowski is my favorite obviously um is it your favorite comedy I mean, I don't know. Or are all five of your favorite movies comedies? They're not. Caddyshack's one of them, but um, and, and I don't know if you count Back to the Future as a comedy or not. So got it. Keep. I but, didn't mean to interrupt uh, you. No, 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 no. But <clears throat> the Coens really have a lot of good movies, and I I think they write almost all of their stuff. So I think their earlier stuff is better than their later stuff. With No Country being a big exception. 
And I, I don't think I'm necessarily surprised by that, you know, you probably have your best ideas and you want to get them, you know, out, right? You know, I think of like certain authors and how the, you know, their earliest books are probably their best books, at least some of the authors that I like. But I, when I was thinking about my Coen Brothers question to you guys, I, I felt like it was always those three movies, Fargo, Big Lebowski, and No Country for Old Men. Where are we at? Where are we at? We are... Medals. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold. Medals, medals. Jeffrey, you got medals? Not enough medals. Yep. I do. Well, you got Jeffrey. You're up. Batting right. lead off. Um, God, I, there's so many honorable mentions I can do. I guess I just won't mention, uh, I won't mention any of them because they're just too many. Uh, so the bronze goes to the dude himself, Jeff Bridges. Whoa. He creates yeah. a iconic character. One of the most quotable, notable characters today. I mentioned that bar I went to in Iceland, a ton of people dressed up like the dude <laughs> go in there. And that when I go to the that rewatch at that bar that we like to go to um, here in Seattle, uh, they uh, a ton of a ton of people liked dressing up like the dude in attendance. So he created an all time iconic character. This is ultimately a Coen Brothers creation, and their fingerprints are all over this movie as they are every movie they make. So they get my silver. Uh, I went back and forth, and if I should give them all three of my medals, it was hard to choose the order. Uh, and my gold goes to John Goodman. He steals every fucking scene he's in. And this movie, I think, is great because of him. It's just everything about his character is laugh-out-loud funny. And I can't take my eyes off of him when he's on the screen. He is incredible. Yeah. I got no problem I mean, with that either. That's what I love about this It was this a perfect character. Right? So I, I was really, like... I didn't know what to do for medals because I just... I wanted to give so many medals out. Me too. And, and I like what you did, Jeff, so I'm not going to give any honorable mentions either. So I had them, and they're not getting mentioned now. <laughs> but my bronze goes to John Goodman, and I had to put him back on. I, I mean, a week ago, he wasn't on. He was off. He was honorable mention, and I had Maude. Julianne Moore had that spot. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Jeff's right. He steals every scene he's in, and... He's just he he's so fun to watch on the screen. He just he reminds me of just such a physical character. He just reminds me, I, I I think he reminds me of like John Candy and just and, and that's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing. So, <laughs> uh, my silver medal went to the Coen Brothers. Originally, they were off the podium because I saw that they just didn't, you know, this wasn't one of their favorites. Like, it was one of my favorites. So I was like, well, then I'm not going to give you guys medals. But then I saw John Goodman talk in an interview how none of this stuff was improv and they wrote every F-bomb and every dude and every little thing. And to watch John Goodman give tribute to the Coen brothers, that put them back on the medal stand. So they got the silver. And Jeffrey Bridges, good old Jeff, gets uh, he gets the gold. the The dude is this is his movie. It's it's an iconic character, and I love it. I love him. I love every line of dialogue he has. He's just perfect, and I couldn't see myself giving someone else the gold. 
But uh, Nico medals. God, I'm going back and forth too. That thing you said about the Cohen brothers makes them makes me want to put them in too. So I think I will. But I'm actually going to give Brant a medal. I'm going to give him honorable mention, John Turturro. I'm going to give bronze to Brant. Phillips. So Philip Seymour. Thank Alfred, God we have not talked case. about him enough. He's incredible yeah, in this movie. That's true. He is yeah. so funny. His best scene might be his answering machine voicemail. <laughs> like his voicemail might be the best moment of him, but he's good in every moment he has. Just once again, there's too many side characters, so that's why I'm like I'm glad that Jeff didn't give an honorable mention because you know sometimes Jesse likes to give seven of them. So we'll let Jesse go last. We'll see if that's what he I, I does. I got eight but, tonight. Okay, see exactly. I figured you'd be lined up, ready to go here. But um, <laughs> I'll go. You see. found you found room for Hoffman, so that's awesome because we always love Philip Seymour Hoffman, and we're always gonna miss the fact that we don't get any more movies yeah. Nick her, I so. kid you not I was just thinking if nobody mentions Hoffman I'm going to make sure to give a shout out because he deserves to be yeah. talked about his performance in this movie is awesome Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman is probably one of my I don't know 10 favorite actors it really is he doesn't have a bad he, he might be he one of the have, best well, character, actor, bad character actors of all time there is not a bad performance in his repertoire no he's great he's so true tribute to that guy uh, Jeff Bridges Silver Right. I think this is his best movie. I think the respect for him in the industry increased after this, and he started getting better roles, and his career excelled. I think it's all due to this. I really do. So he used to go up to the Coens before every scene and just be like, hey, did the dude just smoke a dube before this scene? He just burned one? <laughs> he just burned one? And they'd tell him yes or no, and if they said yes, he'd quickly rub his palms against his eyes to make them all bloodshot. <laughs> And he would just get into full stoner mode, and he's he was great. I and I think you're right. I think this is his best performance. And we've we've talked Jeff Bridges. To <clears throat> who's your gold go to? Uh, Coen Brothers, because like you just said, this is their this is their best movie. This is a piece of movie history, and I don't think anybody could have pulled this off but them. And so fantastically, the way they did. Jesse, let's go. You got plenty of time for your honorable mentions. <laughs> honorable mentions. Um. The Jesus. Yep. Steve Buscemi. Yep. The only one who actually bowls in this mm-hmm. movie besides the Jesus. Uh, Julianne Moore and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, there, there's not enough medals. I mean, There I, aren't. Exactly, there aren't. And Buscemi bowls well, might we add. I love when he turns around and he's like, woohoo! Woo! <laughs> little shimmy. He bowls well until his final yes. bowling sequence before he dies yes. and he doesn't get a strike. Yeah. The foreshadowing. Yeah, God, we didn't My even bronze. make mention of the parking lot scene. <laughs> we did a little bit. The the craziness of the the scene where Buscemi dies, but <laughs> yeah. he has his heart attack. <laughs> Your bronze goes to who? My bronze, who none none of you mentioned, which I'm kind of surprised, is David Huddleston, the Big Lebowski. He's talk about scene stealing. His dialogue with the dude, those scenes are some of the best in the movie. <laughs> they, I mean, they are. Every scene, though. Not just his dialogue. Not his scenes with the dude, but his scene with Walter, when Walter, you know, tells him he's a fake. Oh, my God. <laughs> that scene is equal parts funny and uncomfortable. Uh, it's so funny, watch. because you've seen it a hundred times. <laughs> it's still uncomfortable, though. <laughs> So he gets the bronze. Silver, I could not choose. I'm so sorry. We just do not have enough medals. 
the Coen Brothers and John Goodman. Okay, <laughs> you came in dual dual silver out here. There's I there's not enough medals. There's I, knew, not enough I medals. knew we were gonna happen. That's why I let you go last. As but I, as I knew you were gonna have some sort of shenanigans. I can't not give the dude Jeff Bridges the the gold. I was kind of with you on that. I'm glad you were on the same page with me. He's the dude. He's the movie. He's everything that embodies what this movie is. He is the it's dude. Jeff Bridges. Obviously, it's it, it is late. It's uh, it's getting getting to be that time. But uh, you got some ponderings for us, Jeff. You've had many weeks to ponder. <laughs> yeah, don't have a ton, but I do have some for you. Uh, I. Are Donnie and Walter just figures of the dude's imagination? I, I kind of had a similar pondering. Like, how much of the Big Lebowski is just a drug-influenced daydream of the Because throughout every... The, the, what tips me off to this, uh, and it's not totally my own theory, it's one of the many theories out on the internet, but it's the one that made me go, hmm, the most. What tips me off to this is the scene with the... Uh, our cowboy friend from 1883, uh, when he's sitting at the bar with Sam Elliott. When Sam Elliott appears out of nowhere in that scene as like the narrator. And in all of the scene and in a lot of ways, Donnie is kind of the dude's like laid back, do the right thing, like kind of the angel on his shoulder. And Walter's kind of the devil, the take action, do this. And I agree with that. At the end of the film, when Donnie dies, basically Walter's way is what ends up working to get the dude out of his predicament. So it was kind of the spiritual death of that Donnie side of his character. And maybe he just spilled, maybe his stoner ass just spills the uh, ashes all over himself on the mountain. Uh, when he realizes that he had to let that part of himself, the weaker part of himself go. Do I really think that? Not really. But it's a fucking pondering that kept me up late at night. <laughs> it is an interesting pondering. That, when I mean, you, I feel like that whole scene with the royal we, that kind of plays into it too. Maybe he does go by himself, but maybe maybe those are just his alter, Walter and Donnie are just kind of his alter egos. This is like a Tyler Durden type thing, huh? I was just going to say that. I was going to say whoever came up with this theory is definitely you know a big, big Fight Club fan. <laughs> and I think they're just like, yeah, you know, let me put the Fight Club theory to other movies. And then they threw it out there to Big Lebowski, and they were like, well, it kind of works here. And maybe that's but, why you uh, never see the dude or Walter bowl. Maybe it's always only one. Maybe it's always only one person bowling. Next pondering. Why didn't they check the damn briefcase? Uh, briefcase. They paid tribute to Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah, should have checked that. They should have checked that there's money in it. Ah. And those were my main ponderings. What do you guys got? Any ponderings for you, uh, Nico? Uh, did Larry actually steal the money? Or the fake money? <laughs> That's one of the great mysteries of Lebowski, right? Is we never know what happens to the freaking money. Right. And it's it's just the Coen brothers being the Coen brothers, right? And I think... Keep you guessing. Uh, yeah, they keep you guessing. Exactly. I love it. I don't... I don't but did Larry even actually steal the car? That's what we don't know. We didn't so, actually... Okay. We'll never so, know. So we'll never know. You're right. So if Larry didn't, if Larry did nothing of this, then we have to then question, 
is Larry maybe autistic or something, right? Because yep. <laughs> because if he did nothing, I mean, doesn't he have it in him to just do a, some sort of simple denial at some point? <laughs> but for Larry to just sit there, it's so great. God, I love Walter. <laughs> Jeff's right. Walter steals every scene. I, I We're just... hoping the police won't be necessary, but of course that's up to little Larry, isn't it? <laughs> That'd be a great question to ask the Coen brothers and just watch them get all annoyed because they just don't probably like getting asked about the Big Lebowski based on that quote I read. Right. Maybe they've softened over the last decade and have grown more of an appreciation like all of us. I mean, there's literally a traveling circus with these damn with them, this damn Lebowski. You know, they go have parties at bowling alleys in every major city all over the country, yep. all throughout the. I world. have it in my notes for things you missed. Lebowski op- fest. They're not the most optimistic filmmakers. The thesis of almost every one of their movies is that we're all fucked, lie, <laughs> and they don't uh, have a lot of. Um, Whenever their characters take actions to try to help themselves, it always goes really badly. They have a very fatalistic look at the world. I would agree with that. What did we miss, Nico? Uh, you guys mentioned a ton of it. Uh, the Donnie foreshadowing was big. There is an internet theory about that. As far as Lebowski Fest, all Bridges, Goodman, Totoro, and Juliana Moore have all attended one. I thought that was awesome. I would love to go to one of those, too. I would, too. Yeah. And... Uh, also, the rug is mentioned 17 times. I never realized it was such a part of the plot. <laughs> oh, the rug is so... It's great. And it, um, it's kind of a, just an inside line that people use in other people's houses sometimes. And they'll show up to someone's house for the first time and they'll just be like, oh, I like your rug. It really ties the place it, together. Is it like a MacGuffin of type? Yeah, kind of like a MacGuffin. It's, I mean, it's definitely... I feel like it's, a, you know, it's definitely a sort of man code to some degree. And the character of Maud was based on artist Carolee Schneinman, who famously worked naked from a swing with a tad of Yoko Ono thrown in. Yeah, I can see all of that with the Yoko Ono. I don't know who the other person was, obviously. but uh, So Jeff Bridges, he hadn't worked with the Coens before this, so he, um, he calls John Goodman up and asks when, they, when they're going to get rewrites. And Goodman, who... He'd done multiple movies at this point with the Coens. Told him that uh, this is a Cohen Cohen movie, buddy. That doesn't happen. Nice. <laughs> there are no rewrites. <laughs> That's awesome. But obviously Jeff liked how it went down because um, Jeff's underrated Coen Brothers movie. He, I mean, he starred in that in True Grit. Which is why it's funny they wanted Marlon Brando because Brando like almost always relates all his lines. Like I, I don't I don't know how that would have worked. Uh-huh. I don't know that the Coens could have controlled him. So Lebowski is so famous, this probably sadly isn't happening anymore because of the pandemic. But in 2013, they uh, Joel Cohen told a story where he was at a theater in San Francisco, California. And there was a booth displaying a Lebowski poster. And Ethan was with him. And they they asked the girl running the booth what, what was going on. And she told him that the theater has nightly screenings of the Lebowski. And that people come dressed in costumes, and that they should come and check it out. They'll like it. It's fun. She had no clue that she was actually talking to the Coen brothers when, when that happened. But I just thought that <clears throat> once again, maybe they've softened over the years. <laughs> and they, this movie just is, you know, no other movie has this type of popularity of theirs. 
The F word is used 292 times in this film. Yes, it is. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jesse, you made mention early. We talked about T-Bone Burnett and how he was the music consultant for the movie. And he helped the Coens establish the dude's taste in music. Burnett selected many of the existing songs in the movie and also suggested the dude's hatred towards Eagles. Burnett himself is not a fan either. One of the band's members, Glenn Frey, was reportedly so dismayed about this that he once even angrily confronted Jeff Bridges when they met at a party. This fuck. They're a bunch of fucking amateurs. Hey, Walt. Jeff, final thoughts? Always fun to revisit this movie and hang out with the dude. Nico? One of the funnest movies ever made. Uh, I just It puts a smile on my face, every single part of it, and I, I'm so glad we're doing it. And I love This is going to be a timeless movie that we could probably redo again in 10. Uh, yeah, I'm with you 100%. Like I said, if we did this uh, again, I bet you it would be a lot different of a podcast because uh, just, there's just that many talking points. Uh, Jesse? This is the movie I picked for my birthday six months ago or two months ago, whatever it was. Uh, this is just, this is a movie that you can talk to any of your guy friends about and watch again and again and just laugh. It's just so rewatchable. I hope one day that my wife will want to rewatch it with me. I'm not holding my breath on that, but it's just such a fun, funny, clever movie. It's a Coen Brothers movie. I love the Coen Brothers. Their great movies are rewatchable to the end. Um, I love the dude. Great character. One of the most iconic characters in movie history. It was a really fun rewatch, and I really enjoyed this, this podcast. It's good knowing he's out there. The dude taking her easy for all us sinners well put sir and uh great choice like like i've said time and time again here you know this is it's just one of my absolute favorites and the reason is it's just it makes you smile and sometimes that's all you need from a movie and this movie just it makes me laugh time and time again and certain comedies they don't deliver time and time again sometimes but this one really really does and kudos to the cones for really truly hitting a home run and i um i hope they can make funny movies again truth be told because i don't know when the last funny one they did was it's been a long time but um it's been great talking with you guys about the dude el duderino and uh walter his dudeness his dudeness and and uh Hopefully we definitely abided by the dude in our tribute to him and the Coens this evening. But uh, on behalf of Jesse and Jeff and Nick and myself, thanks again everybody for listening to another edition of Movie Tales. Take care.